Well, we start a brand new teaching series today called Saga, and we're going to be talking about this for the next uh, five weeks, and today is the introduction to, uh, to, to this teaching series. But how many of you like stories? You like to read stories, like watch movies about stories and stuff? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of you. When you were kids, you probably loved, like, stories. And I love watching kids play because kids, like, have this imagination, and they, they, they place themselves inside a story. Like, you know, they maybe want to, like, be a superhero or something, and they think they're a superhero. I saw something on Facebook the other day where uh, uh, our worship leader, Ken, his son, Caden, uh, says, uh, I want us to be a superhero family. And, uh, and then he was like, well, what superhero do you want to be? And he said, I want to be the Hulk, you know. I mean, that's a good superhero to be, right? Like an angry, crazy man and, uh, and stuff. But kids love being in stories, and I love watching kids play because they use their imagination. And so often, sometimes life can feel like that. Like life is just this imaginary story that we're part of. But I got news for you today that you are actually part of a story called life. It's not a fake story. It's not an imaginary story. It's not something that's just uh, made up somewhere in the universe. But it is a real life story that you are part of. And it's a story of love. It's a story of forgiveness. It's a story of hope. But it's also a story of death as well. And so this story is a story that defines your life. Your life, if you know it or not, you may be going through the motions of life, but this story that you are part of actually defines your life and you were created to be part of this story. Actually, your life is only a little dot in the whole spectrum of this big, large story. Your, your part of this story is only here for a moment in time, but yet that moment defines your very life. This story has been going on for lo- a long, long time, since the very beginning of this world. It's a long, drawn-out story. Many millions and trillions of events and different people have passed through this story, but your life is firmly fixed in the center of this story. In fact, we can call this story something uh, like a saga. For those of you who don't know what a saga is, a saga is an old medieval term that they used in England hundreds of years ago, and it means this. It means a long story of heroic achievement. And the reason we can call this story a saga is because it's a long story. And then there was a moment in time for three days where there was an heroic achievement that happened. There was a man, his name was Jesus, who came and he made the most heroic act, the most heroic decision that you could ever imagine. How many of you actually like making decisions? You're a decisive person. Some of you. I said in the first service this morning, I'm going to say to you as well, guys, you should raise your hand because ladies like men who can make decisive decisions. Right, ladies? Yeah, see, you know, I got married, I know, you know. People like people who make decisive decisions, but if you're like me, you hate making decisions. I hate making decisions because sometimes you just don't know what to do. When I first met my wife, when we were when we were dating ten years ago, uh, I would like say, "Okay, we're going here. We're doing this," and she loved it. She was like, "Yes, a man who's decisive." And now, ten years later, I'm like, "Okay, babe, whatever you want to do, you go wherever you want." You know. Because you just learn that in life, right? Guys, it's like, okay, just do what the lady wants to do. But decisions are hard. 
and, and, and I hate making decisions. Sometimes on a, on a Sunday morning after our second service here, there's a few people who hang out because they've got like no homes to go to or anything. And so, and they really do have homes. I'm just like joking. But they, they hang out and then we'll look at them like, okay, you want to get something to eat? And they'll all be like, sure, yeah, where do you want to go? And then we'll spend the next 25 minutes trying to decide where we're going to go to eat. And then we all end up at the same like two or three places every single week like Dickies because they have like free food for kids on Sundays and like everybody's got kids in this place. So uh but 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 that's what we do. But I hate making decisions. And there's some decisions that that you make that you don't even know about it. Did you know if you are an average adult, which most of you are average adults. Some of you are a little questionable, but most of you are average adults. If you are an average adult, then you make about 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000 decisions. So today, you're going to make about 35,000 decisions today. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Most of them you don't even know about. Most of them are automatic. Most of them, you know, you just would just do without even thinking. But then there are some decisions that you know are a little tougher, a little harder to make. And then there's those obvious decisions, right? Like after church, maybe you want to go over to the snowball stand over the road and maybe you want to get some ice cream and you're like, okay, there's chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream. And anyone in their right mind is always going to choose chocolate ice cream, right? No? Okay. So maybe tomorrow, because it's closed today, you want to get some fast food and you're thinking, okay, a spicy chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A or a nasty Big Mac from McDonald's. You're always going to choose the spicy chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. It's an easy decision, people. Don't choose the Big Mac. (laughs) But there's those decisions that are easy. But then there are those decisions that are tough to make. Those decisions that are hard, that you have to think long and hard to make. Those decisions that you remember for the rest of your life, like the decision when you said yes to your spouse, or maybe the decision which school to attend to, or which career to pursue. Maybe the decision you made when you got offered the job and you said yes, or the decision to buy your first house or your first car. And then there's those really serious, life-changing decisions, like maybe you decided to keep a child when everybody else said you should give that child away. Or you decided to stay with your spouse when you saw somebody else at the other side of the office that just looked so much better than your spouse. But you made that choice to stay where you are. Those life-changing decisions. They are difficult decisions. They're hard decisions. And what's the most difficult decision that you've ever made in your life? I asked my wife this the other day. And our decisions, like we've been through a lot of stuff together. And her hardest decision was so much different to my hardest decision. But what's the most toughest, difficult decision? Not maybe the most important, but the toughest decision that you've ever made. Back in 2007, my wife and myself, we were living in a wonderful, glorious, you know, metropolitan place called Springfield, Missouri. Don't go there if you don't have to. Unless you like country music, then the Branson's down the road, and but don't go there either. Springfield, Missouri. And we were on staff at this large church. Things were going great. We'd been married a couple of years. 
and life was comfortable, and we felt in this moment God speak to us. Now, I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I believe that God speaks to people. I believe that God speaks in very different ways, but I believe that there is a God in heaven who's not distant, who's not, who's not you know, just someone who's non-relational, who doesn't really care about you. I believe there is a God who loves you and he cares for you, and I believe there's a God who died for you. But I also believe that God speaks to you. So I believe that God spoke to us, and it, it wasn't this audible voice like, Alex, this is God. It was like this, just this quiet thing in our, in our hearts. And I felt God say, and my wife felt the same, it's time to quit your job. And that was it. I was like, whoa, that's kind of weird. I don't want to quit my job because if I quit my job, I can't provide for my family. I can't live the life I want to live. I can't do the things. I've got to pay bills. But I felt God say, you need to quit the job at the church that you were at. We had no prospects. We didn't know what was going on at all. And so we started to pray over this decision, and we agonized over the decision. And eventually we decided we were going to quit our job. And the wonderful thing is, is that's what then eventually brought us here to Maryland. So I'm with you wonderful, lovely, good-looking people this morning because we made that decision. But it was a tough decision. And then two years ago, here at Generation Church, we had the opportunity to come into this building and the building next door and take out a lease on this building. And uh, I remember getting together with, with, with our team and everybody was like, yeah, let's do it. And they had made up their mind in like five minutes. But for me, I just knew it, it could either be a good thing for the church or financially it could cripple us as a church. And so they made up a decision in five minutes. It took me two and a half weeks to make the decision. Decisive, right? Nice. But the reason is, is because the, there were so high stakes on the line and I agonized and uh, I sweated and, you know, I stayed up at night trying to think about these decisions. You see, anybody could walk into Vegas, into a casino in Vegas with five bucks and put it on a table and, and, and bet it. And if you lose, who cares, right? It's five bucks. That's my ch- spicy chicken sandwich gone, but I can live without my spicy chicken sandwich. Five bucks. But you put something on the line that is worth something, that has the potential to change your life, now you're talking a different story. Now you're talking about something that is a tough decision to make when you put something on the line. So imagine this morning having to make the toughest, the hardest decision that humanity has ever seen in this long saga called life. Could you imagine being the one that has to be asked to make the hardest, most difficult decision? Imagine literally the weight of the world on your shoulders and the fate of the existence of humanity is on you in which decision that you make. Who wants to make that decision now? Not me. I'd rather make decide where I'm going to go to lunch on a Sunday afternoon than make that decision, the one ultimate decision for humanity. But there was a man called Jesus, and he spent a few days having to make a decision. And he made this decision. And it's found in Matthew chapter 26. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 26, it will be on the screen as well. And this is what it says there in Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to start reading at verse 36. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples 
to the olive grove called Gethsemane. An olive grove was like a place where it was a vineyard. It was very nice. And that Jesus would often go there to, to pray. It was a nice, tranquil place. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. So we took Peter and Zebedee, Zebedee's two sons, James and John. They were three of his disciples. And so he took them with them. And then the Bible says, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus went on a little farther and bowed down his face to the ground praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you keep watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time. In anguish and distress, Jesus prayed again. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away, Unless I drink it, your will be done. So here is Jesus at a night. He's in this garden and he's in anguish and distress. And the reason he's in anguish and distress is because he has a decision to make. The decision is so tough that the Bible says that Jesus' sweat started pouring out of his pores like drops of blood. I mean, he was seriously in distress. And the reason is, is because he had a decision to make. And this was the decision. Jesus could choose life for himself. He could choose to command the armies of heaven because he was Jesus sent from the Father in heaven he had all power. He had great knowledge. He, he was a man who could command the armies of heaven. So Jesus could choose life for himself. He could command the armies of heaven. And he could command that humanity would just bow down before him. The other decision was that Jesus could choose pain. He could choose suffering. And he could choose death. All in the hope that he could save humanity. You see, because humanity was a sinful, a sinful race. Humanity was a sinful creature. And because of that sin, we had now been separated from God. And because we were separated from God, we needed a Savior. And so Jesus had this opportunity. Jesus could be this Savior. So in this moment, Jesus chooses, makes a decision, the toughest decision ever. He could live for himself. But if he chose to live for himself, then the story would end. The saga would be over. This thing called humanity and life, that would be it. We would just be robots to worship a God. Or he could choose to give of his life in the hope that there would be a savior, in the hope that this saga, this story would continue. One decision means pain. One decision meant release. One decision meant death to humanity. One decision meant life to humanity. One decision meant life to Jesus. One decision meant life to humanity. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus chose to keep the saga going. 
Jesus chose to keep the story running. In 1999, there was a, a trilogy of movies that, that came out. And the first movie was called The Matrix. It was like this cult kind of crazy movie that everybody like wanted to be in The Matrix. Basically, in The Matrix, there was a guy called Neo who was a computer programmer. And Neo discovered that the world that he lived in was not actually the real world. In fact, there was a world behind the computer screen that was the real world that was dictated by machines. And so Neo found this out. And then there were some others who were, were called rebels, and they had discovered this as well. And they discovered that everybody who lived, lived in this fake world that was governed and directed by the machines. They didn't like this. They wanted real life. They didn't want to be in this fake imaginary life. And so they tried to go to war and they tried to go into this world, this real world, to defeat the machines. And then they discover Neo and they believe that Neo was the chosen one. In the film it says that he had been prophesied about years ago to save humanity. And there was a guy called Morpheus who was the leader of the rebels. And he met Neo and this is what he said to Neo. He had two pills. He had a blue pill in one hand and a red pill in the other hand. And he said this. He says, you've got a choice to make. You've got to take one of the pills. Take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and you believe what you want to believe. He said, you take the red pill and you stay in Wonderland. And I will show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. See, they see that they say that ignorance, ignorance is bliss. And if Neo had taken the blue pill, then he would have just woken back up into his fake imaginary life. His world that really wasn't there, but he would have been okay. You know, like everything would have been fine. Life would have just gone on as normal and it, as it always has gone on. But he knew it wouldn't have been real life. Or he could take the red pill and they say that knowledge is power. So then he would have gained knowledge and he was, would have stayed in this thing called the Matrix and helped the rebels fight against the machines to bring real life back to humanity and save humanity. So Neo decided to choose the red pill. And then you see this movie and, and everybody's like floating in the air and doing all these crazy things. And there's guys in suits and it's pretty cool moving. But there's Jesus on his knees in anguish because he's got this decision that he has to make. And it's like Jesus has a blue pill in one hand and a red pill in another hand. If he takes the blue pill, then it means that Jesus is saved, but humanity is lost. If he takes the red pill, it means that Jesus has to die for himself, but humanity has the hope of being saved saved. So Jesus chose the red pill. And that's why we're here today, because Jesus chose this imaginary red pill. And so what happened is the Roman officers came and arrested Jesus, really, for no reason. Jesus then is taken to the priests, and he's tried in the Jewish law. Then they send him to Pontius Pilate, who is the governor of, uh, of Judah for Rome, because Ro the Roman Empire had invaded that area of Judah and Israel. 
And then he's tried, and then he's sent before the people, and everyone's like, crucify him, crucify him. We want Jesus dead. And so Jesus then is, is put on death row. He's given a crown of thorns, thrust into his head. Blood starts pouring. He's beaten. He's whipped. He's spat upon. And then they put him on a cross. They take him up a hill called Golgotha. Some people call it Calvary. And he's standing there in the middle. On one side, there is a criminal who has committed crimes, who's about to die for his crimes. On the other side, there's another criminal who's about to die for his crimes. And Jesus is in the middle. And this is what it says in the Bible in Luke chapter 23, verse 39. It says, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at him and replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. You see, Jesus chose that red pill. He chose death. But even in the moments that Jesus is about to die, in his last breath, in his last moments, he still has the opportunity to choose the blue pill and to live for himself and make this life about himself. But he still chose death. He still made the toughest decision a man in this world has ever been asked to make. He chose death so the saga could continue. Then he says this, Luke chapter 23, verse 44. By this time, it was about noon. And darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Like spooky, that is. I mean, could you imagine noon and it's just like dark? It's like, whoa, what happened? The aliens are coming. Then verse 40, 45, it says, The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. So Jesus chose the red pill. Jesus chose death. Jesus chose that the saga would continue. And then he shouts, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And then Jesus dies. And everyone looks around and thinks it's the end of the story. Jesus is dead. He comes down from a cross. They put him in a tomb. And for a day and a half, they start to mourn Jesus' death. It looks like Jesus shouldn't have chosen the red pill because if his hope for humanity had gone, Jesus should have chose the blue pill and just saved himself. Forget about humanity. Forget about this story. Just save yourself. And everybody thought that the story had ended and Jesus had died. But the good news is this morning, and this is why we're here in this place this morning, is because we know that when Jesus died, something actually happened. And this is what happens, the Bible tells us. Jesus, after he died on a cross, his soul went down into a place called Hades. Hades, the Bible tells us, is the place that is prepared for the enemy of God called Satan, the devil, and his followers. 
And people who do not put their trust in Jesus Christ and their faith in Jesus Christ. And it's a place that's prepared. And it's a place that's of anguish. A place that, 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 that there is separation and loneliness. And it's a nasty place. And trust me, you do not want to go there. And the Bible says that Jesus went down into there and he went war to war against the enemies of God. And the Bible says that Jesus captured the keys of Hades and death. Now, death was on Jesus because he had the keys. He could unlock death and life. And the Bible tells us that Jesus took these keys and then Sunday morning comes, and Easter Sunday morning, just like today. And then the, there's a bunch of people who are mourning the death of Jesus. They have no idea what's gone on. They thought the saga was over. The story had ended. And then there's these women who are just wailing and going crazy. And then they go to the tomb where Jesus was. And in Luke chapter 24, verse 1, it says this. But very early on Sunday morning, The women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance to the tomb. So they went in and they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day day. And this is so like us. We're so like trying to pursue things in life. We're going through this life and we start searching for the answers to life in dead things. We start searching for hope in life, in in our jobs, in our securities, and, and in our hobbies and the different things and our possessions. And they are dead things. And it's like heaven is screaming out to us and saying, why are you searching for life amongst the dead? For Jesus isn't here. Jesus is risen from the dead and he is the answer to real life. See, real life isn't in dead things. Real life is in things that are alive. And that day, the saga continues. See, Jesus had made the ultimate decision. Hades is now no longer the destination for those who put their trust in Christ. The destination is heaven. It is salvation. It is life. The Bible tells us it's everlasting life. See, Jesus made the hard decision and he chose the hard way and it paid off. He took the red pill and it worked because now there is hope for humanity. Because Jesus made the hard choice, we now have the opportunity to make the easy choice. You see, because Jesus chose death, now if we put our trust in Jesus, it means we choose life. And I don't know about you, but I want to choose life instead of death. I don't like dead things. I like things that are alive. And if your soul wants to be alive, you need to choose Jesus. 
And each of us, we have a decision to make today. It's like for us, we have a blue pill in one hand and we have a red pill in the other. And we can choose the blue pill and we can take it and we can live life as we've always lived it. Like nothing is wrong. We can live maybe in doubt, in pain, in unforgiveness. We can, we can live this life in ignorance, not knowing what's going to happen when this life is all over. Or we can choose the red pill, and that's the, the pill where we choose Jesus, and we choose to put our faith and our trust in Jesus. And what that means, it means that we gain knowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. He came and died for our sins, and now we have the opportunity to have life everlasting life. See, for me, it's an easy decision to choose Jesus, to choose life over death. And on this day, this Easter Sunday, where throughout this world, churches just like us are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're saying that he's no longer dead. He is risen and they are celebrating just Like everybody else, we all this morning have a decision to make. Maybe your decision this morning, take the blue pill and this fake life continues. Or take the red pill and find freedom from pain and suffering. Find freedom from sin and regrets. Maybe your decision this morning is to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never made that decision before in your life. Maybe you've never been asked to make that decision. Maybe you've never even thought about that decision. But this morning you have the opportunity to choose Jesus over this other life. Empty life. Real life over fake life. Living life over dead life. And for you this morning, that may be your decision that you have to make in this place. Others, you've already made that decision. I know many in this room, you've already made that decision to follow Jesus. But you have some different pills in your hands. Maybe you've got a blue pill and a red pill. And you know you've got other decisions to make. Maybe that decision is to stay with your spouse when everything inside of you says that you want to just get out of the house and you want to leave. Maybe that decision is to put God first in your life. Instead of searching this life for yourself and putting yourself first in this life. Maybe the decision between the blue pill and the red pill for you is putting your, pur- your trust in the purposes of God instead of chasing the empty dreams that this world tries to offer to us. I don't know about you, but every one of us this morning has a decision to make. We have a blue pill or a red pill. And because Jesus made that one decision, the decision to go to the cross, now we can make the ultimate decision or the easy decision because he has made the ultimate decision and his ultimate decision now gives us access to freedom, hope, love, peace and joy. See, the good news is this morning is the story continued and we are still part of this story. We are still part of this saga and that is the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus isn't dead. He is alive. He is risen from the dead and the Bible says that one day he's going to come back and I can't wait for that day when he comes back. 
But you have the choice at the moment. Choose the blue pill or the red pill. So what pill are you going to take today? Are you going to take the blue pill and your story ends? Or are you going to take the red pill and see just how far this rabbit hole goes? Trust me, if you want real life, take the red pill.